Two, three, two, one, go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Triad of the Force podcast, a podcast from three Puerto Rican friends coming together to do deep dives into Star Wars and other nerd-related media. So after a little hiatus for the holidays, happy holidays, everybody, the happy Triad holidays. returns with season two. And to help us kick it off, we have a guest with us. So Goose, why don't you introduce us? Why don't we, everybody, why don't we give a... Warm uh, applause here for MC from What the Force. Welcome, MC. Hello. <laughs> uh, MC has been one of the people we've been really wanting to have on our podcast for a really long time, especially after like talking to Ty and having like our mythic uh, Star Wars discussion and seeing like some of the discussions that What the Force also has. That, you know, has been very uh, akin to some of the things we like to discuss. So, like, thank you for for joining us and complimenting our discussion. Oh, oh yeah, no. Um, it's one of my goals when I created What the Force was to encourage others, uh, especially people who are not necessarily considered to be mainstream people, to talk about Star Wars the way I like to talk about it. And so this is a hundred percent on brand for my goals for creating the podcast, <laughs> as well as just like in general. I love talking about Star Wars and fiction and understanding why it works. And so, yeah, this is, I think this is the intention of this. So this will be great. Awesome. Great. So before, before going into uh, like our main topics, which are more uh, discussion oriented, let's do just like our quick little interview so that like we and our guests can get to know you a little bit more. Uh, so like, why don't we start with basics? Uh, since since we're Star Wars focused, why don't we start with your background on how you got introduced to Star Wars? How was how was that entry point into this franchise? Uh, yeah, Star Wars has always been around in my life. My dad saw it opening weekend before I was born, of course, because uh, <laughs> I'm not that old yet, um, <laughs> and never will be. But but he was he was always a huge science fiction nerd. He was similar to uh, George Lucas and read pulps and watched, you know, Flash Gordon as a kid. And so when he saw Star Wars, he was just really blown away that they what they were able to achieve on screen, you know, going from things growing up like Flash Gordon. And, um, you know, he was also really into John Carter of Mars. Yeah. to seeing uh, Star Wars, this like, you know, space opera on screen and seeing kind of the the treatment that it was given, which was, it is cheesy, but it's treated seriously. Um, mm. He had a like a really interesting background. Uh, he had a doctorate in philosophy and wow. was a student of history as well as religion and sort of understood all of the behind the scenes pieces, um, you know, as he went into it and recognized Joseph Campbell and all of those different things. And so when I was growing up, my life around Star Wars was, you know, understanding the, the hidden fortress influences, mm. understanding the mythic parallels behind the scenes, um, you know, listening to Empire Strikes Back LP uh, with my dad in the living room. Like, so, so all of the things that like, that was just my life. And then when I was about um, I don't know, maybe grade four or five. So like 10 or 11, I, he started to run an RPG, uh, Star Wars, like the West End games RPG for oh, me, okay. uh, and my okay. friends. And so like, I actually played the kid template, which, uh, is basically Ezra. You're a, a force adapt with, um, 
with a slingshot, a pet, and like the ability to break into kind of anything. You're kind of like, yeah, space Aladdin, like Ezra is, right? <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so, <laughs> but so we played through, you know, this whole campaign with me and my friends. And, you know, that to me, Star Wars has always been mine because I've never had a, I've never had a situation where I was told Star Wars isn't for me because it always has been. And it, and it's always been something that, um, I've always felt a bit of ownership over because I've never been told not. And, and, and it's always been kind of an assumption. So I I do feel very blessed. I grew up in a very nerdy household. Like he created role-playing games. He wrote board games. Like, like he, he was a student of history and all of that stuff. So um, he, he just kind of gave me the environment that He just sort of gave me the environment that uh, promoted that, you know, these things are good. And so I recommend if you have a a girl in your life that uh, has not had that opportunity, tell them Star Wars is theirs too. And just from the, just assume it, you know, because I know so many women who are growing up um, were told that like, that's a boy thing or that's a, a white cis dude thing. And it's just not true. Like Star Wars is for everybody. It really is. It's just, there's this weird fandom BS around it that is just so stupid. (laughs) Which is, which is something that I think we'll definitely touch on when, you know, we go deep into our discussion on Mandalorian. But I think that's super, super cool and interesting. You already touched on, right? One of the things we wanted to also (laughs) ask you about. (laughs) It was like, obviously the, the connection with Ed. Hey, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey and all of these yeah like, and so although, although to, well yeah. it was like my dad showed me all of that but it wasn't until I was like in university and really getting into mythology um because I took a bunch of mythology courses in addition to um my degree which is actually in psychology um mm-hmm. and and why like Campbell and Maureen Murdoch and Robert Bly and Young, like uh, why I like to tie these all together is because they're tying to the same sort of semiotic um, foundation, the same, you know, structuralist foundation to say, look, this is all just related to how we as humans think about the world and this is all just metaphor and translation for our brains to consume the world around us and to think about things and that's what fiction is 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 just another lens by which humans utilize to to process everything going on around them um and Campbell himself um although not perfect like I do want to say like there's a there's a lot of (laughs) very based uh criticism for Campbell um I do think that there is there is a lot of uh value that you can get especially from his later works when he started to really um understand where maybe he hadn't considered certain lenses especially feminine ones Mm -hmm. uh which like you know in his later life he lectured a lot on the goddess mythologies um and that was really brought about by um, the fact that he was teaching at a, a women's college. And so he was he's being influenced by the people that he was teaching because their interest was not in the um, not in the 
you know, male focus stories. It was on the feminine focus stories. And, and mm. so he took a lot from the work of Maria Gambudis, who is an archaeologist um, who focused on Central Europe and where the goddess mythologies were uh, sort of focused for a very long period of time. Um, and then also Maureen um, Murdoch, who created the heroine's journey as a response to the hero's journey, really plugs into a lot of the similar things that Maria was talking about. But they're talking about the same thing, which is our psychology. It's just the lens by which you're viewing it. And no lens is wrong. It's just a, a tool by which to help us think about fiction, but also ourselves. That, I'm, Definitely. Uh, so like, I'm, I'm just like speechless. Like you, <laughs> you, you grasp, you grasp. That's what grasps also. Like that's the magic of it all. Yeah, but, yeah. Because it it is it's purposeful. Um, but also there's so much uh, subconscious choices uh, that end up infiltrating fiction. It's really interesting to see. Like this was a purposeful choice especially like when ryan johnson talks and sometimes it's not at all it's not a, a purposeful choice but it ends up working anyway so you're like was this person was this just something that the brain did because that's part of creation as um you know when you're creating content or you're creating story or you're creating fiction sometimes your brain does things that you're mm -hmm. not even conscious of and that's that's like when you think about um you know like in a, in a death of the author kind of way, there's a lot of society and our own framework of how our brains work that influence is how these things bubble up. And then they end up bubbling up in our fiction as archetypes. And so that's mm -hmm. what Joseph Campbell is talking about. And that's why I'm kind of obsessed with figuring out why fiction works for me is because I'm like, <laughs> okay, so like, is this like purposeful? And it's a purposeful thing that we recognize mm -hmm. as society and becomes a trope or a genre or a cliche or a meme, <laughs> you know, or mm -hmm. is it something um, that uh, it has just kind of come to the surface because of our culture. And that to me is more what has happened with things like Tross than necessarily something like The Last Jedi, which is more purposeful and understanding what those things are doing. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm interested. And maybe unintentionally I've become a folklorist. I don't I don't know, um, because I'm just trying to figure it out and capture these understandings of these stories and then analyze them. <laughs> and, 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 and like, and that's the beauty of it, just analyze it. And then once the story becomes your story, that's the, that's the transcendent aspect of it. That's, yeah. that's why for thousands of years, we just sat around campfires and told stories mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because those stories will then relate to when I'm working on the field, when I'm taking care of my family weren't because mm -hmm. those so now it's interesting because now we're like over stimulized by stories yeah. mm -hmm. so how do we make those stories our own and that, I think that's what you're showing yeah. that you're making so, stuff worse part of that yeah you, this is my own version of transformation and this yeah and that's, that's the beauty of it that's that's I yeah I like, it's so powerful <laughs> Yeah. And, and like people do this in their own way uh, as part of fandom, right? So transformational works, uh, uh, art, 
and um, fiction or memes or, uh, you know, what uh, Opes Canopes on Twitter does where he takes a scene or a thing that we know about Star Wars and kind of makes it its own scene, like in a tweet, like transformations is how we take a piece of that fiction home it could be cosplay it could be anything and so fandom is actually very powerful because it's how people are taking a piece of the fiction that has been created that means something significant mm -hmm. to us and making it our own and that could be you know uh, through fixing it the way that we want it to imagining a no whole new story and I and I think that's why maybe role-playing games and when you hear a lot of the creators um, who are involved in like current uh, creation, you know, some of the story people, et cetera, like they were involved in um, the, like they, they played the West End Games version of the RPG because part of that is like there wasn't enough source books. So you kind of had to imagine your own world of Star Wars as a kid or as a teenager. And it just, it gives you license to do that. It gives you permission. And, you know, many fan fiction writers that I know, they, they go off and they go and, you know, uh, write their own uh, world or their own adventure or they take what they're doing and transform it into a modern day setting or into a fairy tale setting and and that's all part of it is it's it's all part of how we consume media and fiction as humans and is is perfectly natural for us as humans to do that that's been how uh, folklore and mythology has worked since we told stories around the campfire mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is one of the fascinating things when you're like putting it that way because it's something we're seeing very clearly now, at least from my perspective in fandom, especially when you look at like the discourse that is happening. Or, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm gonna focus on Star Wars because that's what we're talking about here. And how certain sectors of the fandom kind of take that mythos that is Star Wars and kind of make it their own through their own lens to diff, you know, to various uh, points of view that are depending on the point of view, kind of detrimental to each other. Because we see some people that yeah. use it to, to uplift and other people that use it to not uplift as much, yeah. which is one of the interesting things because when at least I look at myth and all these uh, stories, they're kind of used to unify and, and be more of a positive bridge, right? Yeah. For our storytelling than, than in the way that other people use it, right? Well, when you're purposefully plugging into... Uh, these psychological archetypes, right? You're going to be talking to a very old part of the human brain, right? Yep. So it, it, it's not beyond the, beyond, beyond the bounds of reality to say that this is um, in some ways spiritual as well, right? So you think about it, but Star Wars is unique because it is a purposeful mythopoeia, Right. Mm -hmm. So a mythopoeia is a fictional mythology that has been created. <laughs> so Lord of the Rings, uh, as an example, uh, Star Wars itself, the whole thing. Um, but it's purposeful in that it knew from the get go or, you know, three or four drafts in when when uh, <laughs> George read the hero's yes. journey, it yeah. knew what it was doing. OK. And so when. Um, when it got to coming to it, uh, it spoke to the nine to 13 year old 
especially mm-hmm. male brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean that it doesn't speak to anybody else, but you have to go through this like stretch if you're not in that, like, especially, uh, <laughs> self insert George Lucas, uh, naming his main character, Luke, uh, <laughs> mode of brain. Right. So, so <laughs> all of us on this call are not those people. No. Right. <laughs> And so as a fan, you have to stretch your brain a little bit more to be like, I fit into this mold and identify with Luke, or maybe you identify with somebody else in the screen, like Khan or yeah, Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah. Or like me, I'm like a massive R2D2 fan. Cause to me, he's always just like, I'm so sick of this. (laughs) He's probably the smartest one in the whole galaxy. You know, and and always, always, always. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I think I froze. No, you're fine. It looks fine to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, so kind of uh, uh, moving on to more, kind of bringing it back to you and like what you're doing now with Star oh. Wars. We know, obviously we know that you have a What, uh, what the Force, which is like yeah. a fantastic podcast where you discussed uh, Star Wars, but now you recently opened uh, What the Fiction. Uh, yeah. That was a clever way to keep your uh, my brand. All, <laughs> yeah, and like it's all sort of under the what the forest brand. I just wanted a different way to say I'm going to be talking about fiction in general in this direction, and that gives me an opportunity to talk about books or audio dramas or um, mm-hmm. you know talk about movies or Asian dramas, like because I'm I love them so much. Uh, hey, or, dramas, you know, yay! K dramas, yes, yes, Uh, and you know, I'll I'll get into why those are are like so significant. uh, Yes, if if we have an opportunity, I have been very curious to know. And I and I have some suggestions for people who are looking for transcendent storytelling if they're really into into that. Um, You just have to get used to subtitles, but you know, like you just have to like get into that and if it's if it's a learning thing etc there are a few dramas out there that are actually translated or or dubbed over so it's very similar to anime and or Mm -hmm. or old kung fu movies that were like you know so uh i do recommend that but um why did i separate out the names or not just throw out stuff on what the force Mm -hmm. what the force became like stupidly popular Mm-hmm. in three years like I started producing this after the last Jedi because I couldn't stop thinking about it so I've, I haven't really been around <laughs> that long right and it's like stupidly popular and I was like you know I just <laughs> like I kind of want the freedom to build a brand um for talking about uh fiction the way I want to talk about it which is this you know mythical meta lens Mm -hmm. especially with a femme gaze approach to that right so not necessarily all femme gaze but certainly keeping it into consideration so I did a video analysis on um the queen's gambit and how it tied into the heroine's journey so good loved it so much like it's just such a smart show but what I loved about that was that it just tied into all the layers and I can see exactly and break down how it's touching on all of the psychological archetypes and stages that women go through um, especially when trying to figure out who they are on the inside etc so that was a lot of fun and um, it's really just more of a a mental thing for me I felt like I was abandoning Star Wars uh, and so I like I needed I needed to like separate it because Star Wars is yeah. such a big Sometimes part of me. Sometimes it's important to take a, a breather yeah. and kind of detach yeah. yourself. Yeah. It's pretty so, intense. Like, 
right now I'm only producing um, uh, what the force episodes every two weeks instead of Mm. every week, which I had done for three years every week, you know, plus because I was doing like bonus episodes occasionally. So it was a lot of work. um, And I just wanted to take a step back until there was more major content, not that high Republic isn't major content. It is. Uh, It's just that um, I needed a break to explore Mm -hmm. and do other things. And what I find is when I step away from star Wars, I become a better analyst because I look at Mm -hmm. other fiction and it tells Mm -hmm. me more because in some ways star Wars is actually not the best, Mm -hmm. but yet it's also the best. Like it's, (laughs) it's it's bananas weird that like it, it is amazing, but also we should demand that it be better. Right. Like that's part of it. Like, cause there mm-hmm. are better things out there and it could be even better. Yep. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Hey, that's, that's so fascinating that you would say that because, because I think that's kind of the junction point where, well, I think not junction point. I think Star Wars has always been at that junction point. Every time there's something new coming out. Right. And yeah. Between like the group of people that are just like, no, it's perfect the way it was and they can't progress versus the other people that's like no like in wonder woman uh, 1984 right but it can be better right yeah <laughs> that, yeah this course especially with last Jedi, right that i got so heated versus like of like where star wars needs to go in terms of storytelling so i think last Jedi was like that big point where people kind of exploded between like no it should always be the same and no there oh. are new and and, and new and yeah. special places where it can go yeah new and special places and 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 um, you know, it's really interesting because people that aren't super aware of the baggage that they're carrying around with mm-hmm. them, um, they don't understand that they're, they're projecting that out into the world, um, when they see something that doesn't align with their core beliefs and values. And that's why like Star Wars is, is spiritual in so many ways because mm-hmm. it, it, it plugs into, the core of ourselves right we so many people use star wars as a lens to think about their own reality and their own perception of the world and so when star wars says actually uh this woman and um these by POC characters are very, very important. And maybe just, you know, their story is more important at this point in the storytelling than mm. the cis white dudes. Uh, what? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and let's and, like, be very angry about it. So, I don't. Well, and, Un- and unreasonably well, proje- so, right? Yeah. Projection. <laughs> unreasonably so. Mm-hmm. projection does that yeah. you're angry at that mm-hmm. aspect of yourself and so you push that out into the world and it ends up being that you blame that but it's just your own projection of yourself out there in mm-hmm. the world that you don't understand so it's like your inner feminine that you're projecting out there mm-hmm. the inner aspects of yourself that are feeling scared about the world and you know ends up becoming tribalism which is so mm-hmm. stupid and so heavily part of our our world and that's mm-hmm. why like I end up like researching weird stuff like Marshall McLuhan to understand why we live in this global village and why this is just absolutely like 
frustrating to have constantly have these conversations the way we do online. And it's because of the technology and because of how we've all been brought together to be literally on top of each other from a technology perspective and yep. from a communications perspective. And so we're not able to actually get you know, away from each other, like we used to, when we actually had to ha spend time to communicate or to travel to somebody to communicate or like, uh, the old fan fiction writers send in via fanzine and wait three months for it to appear back to you. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, people, people can instantly react. Yeah. So it's Which like, I you're, it's like you're living all right? in the same house. It's like yeah. you're living all in the same house and that's how we're communicating nowadays in yeah. 240 characters. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Or, a, or a big ass thread. Yeah. <laughs> Which people might only read half of or one tweet of or, yeah. or catch half with her. Uh -huh. And decontextualize. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's complex. It's yeah. Yeah. We're getting to the super crazy complex Tower of Babel. Version. Oh yeah, reality. you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I think we're already we're already there, obviously. Yeah. I think. <laughs> but speaking speaking of weird, I think that's a, that was a fantastic segue into like our first first part of, of our main discussion with our preamble, so to speak, which is kind of one division, which yeah. is fresh in everyone's mind and everyone is watching or most people are watching. Yeah, I don't know, Nani, if you have watched the third yeah, episode. Yeah, I've been watching. Okay, because mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> I know you like to binge yeah. it at the end. Uh, I know, but I couldn't help myself. I mean, it's so weird and it's so, so well good. done. So I, I need it in my life, really. <laughs> uh, so, and obviously, uh, MC, you have your, your show um, with the fiction where you're analyzing one yeah. division. So I thought, it, I thought it'd be appropriate since we're you know, talking about myth and fiction and all these things that if we do a little seg into one division and discuss why it's been so appealing to lots of people what what weird means in terms of the show and you know and how it ties into myth in terms of like the american myth since it's something that i think is very pertinent not only to star wars but into superheroes in general yeah and then we can see what how if any of that you know translates into mandalorian Oh, that's such a good topic. And I was I was rereading the the outline last night because I was like, I need time to like stew on all of these. So where do I go? Because, you know, like talking about this stuff takes time and like it takes me time to analyze and it takes me time to think about stuff. So, um, you know, doing a reaction podcast slash show, I literally give myself like less than uh, less than 24 hours really to yeah. digest stuff and then try to be brilliant live on camera, which I was like, Oh God, no I'm an pressure. idiot. I'm an idiot. What was I thinking? Um, but luckily I have my husband who's, um, he's really amazing. And he was a massive fan of the comics, um, like especially okay. the, the Avengers growing up. And, uh, mm -hmm. so he's been following them like pretty much since he was a teenager. And what's really fascinating about Wanda and Vision uh, from a history perspective is that they were the through line for the Avengers. They were like, you know, when you watch a show and you're like, that that's the couple that's always having problems or part of the soap opera of the story. <laughs> that was them because they didn't have their own title for a really, really long time. They were just kind of in the background in the drama of their relationship and getting together. It, it wasn't really a huge focus on the MCU. It was there, but it was like 
the total number of minutes of them together is like less than 10 or something. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really wow. disappointing, but, but the, the chemistry was there. Right. And so they mm-hmm. were trying to tell that story, but maybe it was in the hands of storytellers who weren't really focused on the feminine gaze or the, the femme gaze aspects of it. Um, I knew that this would be deeply psychological for, for Wanda. It was going to be like a freaking weird trip into her psychology and trying to deal with her own trauma. I knew that as soon as they announced it and how it was going to be presented I'm like they're probably going to be using these time jumps to work through kind of all the different aspects of what she's going through and in some ways um what's really fascinating is that especially with the Marvel universe X-Men and Avengers especially X-Men with relation to how she has been brought up in um sort of part of Magneto or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Eric's uh, family tree with Pietro and her and the Brotherhood yeah. of either Evil Mutants and everything like that, which I was way more familiar with her from, right? So it, it was kind of yeah. weird to see her as, uh, as, as a as hero rather than yeah. as a villain. But, yeah, you know, yeah. she's women women can be uh, all things uh yeah. so in some ways i do hope she goes villain a little bit um <laughs> maybe in dr strange Who knows? maybe uh we'll see right uh but what is interesting about it is that it's very similar to how many people view star wars in that it is a family drama house of m is entirely yeah. about her breaking reality because she's grieving like that is epic and wonderful to have these very hyper-focused views on emotion and Mm -hmm. that that these emotions are real for women you know and that and that when you have superpowers it's going to make it so the whole world breaks or a whole town or whatever and that hyper focuses because you know that's all just a metaphor for the fact that if somebody is not doing well and they're not being cared for or they haven't been able to fully be uh you know handle the the things that they've gone through it's going to affect the house it's going to affect the community it's going to affect the world and that's just like a hyper-focused metaphor of that Mm -hmm. um and so seeing that played out on screen with the production values it's like a good story with good production values femme gaze and uh, deeply psychological like how could I not it's all of the things and there's also <laughs> like tons of symbolism in the story itself mm-hmm. which I get to talk about like uh, so yeah it's it's my thing <laughs> and I you know I did I did really want to um, give a chance to give a focus to it because it's like if this is going to lean into more of this especially emotionally centered mm-hmm. storytelling Cause it always has been emotionally centered. Like that's why like uh, Steve and Bucky are like my favorite characters. Cause everything about them is <laughs> yeah. emotion. Uh, yeah. Like you're, you're on my side, you're against me. Like it's all just drama. And that's why people <laughs> ship them so much. Right. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's it, like, if this is where they're going, they're going to focus on these very humanistic stories with superpowers, then yeah this deserves our attention this is important this is beyond the grim dark uh dc universe that has developed which is just all about pain and um Mm -hmm. 
white male rage like i i don't know how else to put it but that's <laughs> yeah. what it is like it's, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. yeah. Uh, it's boring already like uh, yeah <laughs> okay it's always the same right it's like yeah it's, it's the always same. the it's same a, your mother's the, name like, is martha we're <laughs> <laughs> best friends well and instead of trying to go and make oh it brighter they just keep getting darker and darker like if you make yeah. it darker it's somehow gonna make it better it's like dude it's not working <laughs> Try to go well, the other you direction. Can't, you well, can't well, have the dark. You can't have like so much dark without then releasing like, some. But, but even, light even like, where even everyone's so, happy. <laughs> like even like Nolan's like Dark Knight. Like there's emotion there. Like yeah, just scratched the little emotions there, and then like all the greediness, <laughs> nothing else. Yeah, there. it's not. It's yeah. not just brooding men. Yeah, there has to be. <laughs> yeah, there has to be a balance, right? Exactly. Like, there has to be, and yes, you can go dark, but then you mm. need to figure out how to get it back to the other way too mm -hmm. um i love the metaphor of like well if you only if you raise your eyebrows because you're shocked uh, mm -hmm. how do you go up from there like you're eventually you just reach a ceiling of like yeah I, like you're just beating me with darkness and and depression and we live in a depressing world and so i'm a big fan of hope punk i'm a big fan of of things that even if they're dark during the story, they end up turning around inexplicably even, or mm. even, you know, within reason. And it makes sense. Like, um, you know, that's what Shakespeare did with comedies. They Comedies are like terrible for the people that are involved. Everything yeah. goes horribly wrong. And then it ends up turning around. And um, I think we need that grain of things can be better because it's forward facing it's change we're always going to be moving towards you know hoping for a better tomorrow because in so many ways that expression that 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 expresses the world we live in right now which is not good like mm -hmm. we have to be truthful to ourselves that many of the things that people live with day to day is horrible and that is who we are right now as a society yep. societies especially in north yeah. america we treat people terribly and there is different classes of people's societies right and so we have to kind of own that as our collective shadow <laughs> and work to say look it can be different and we have to be change and improvement focused if we're going to get out of that and I like that that is expressed in our fiction and if possible, and it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, you know, entirely sacrificial in nature, which is what mm -hmm. grimdark ends up being. You have to sacrifice to even exist. And I don't know. I, I just don't like that narrative of like everybody needs to die and there well, is no yeah. or be unhappy while, right? or be exiled or something. Yeah, it's like, it's, it yeah. won't motivate people to be heroes if all the heroes have to die at the end. It's like, oh, I have to die to be a hero? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on here? Do none of uh, them get a happy ending? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, in terms of and this, I think this is open like for everybody uh, to chime in on in terms of what we think of this framing device for one division, which is that uh, anchoring its storytelling through a uh, TV era. Uh, sitcoms right to kind of anchor what the episodes are trying to say uh, obviously I don't know post episode three if all the other episodes will also be anchored through uh, decade sitcoms I just want to see everyone's thoughts on what they think of that framing device not just how it works in terms of the weirdness of the show but also how it informs that storytelling 
Why don't we start with, with Mo real quick? I think it's really clever in the sense that TV, at least you know, for our generation, has been what influences who we are in a way, like how we process emotion, how we uh, see and have an outlook of life. And, and, and that's, you know, it, it goes both ways in a good way and a bad way. That's, that's why we hold our standards. It could be the Disney standard of happily ever after. It could be a very dark and greedy standard of like, oh, I have to be the hero that dies at the end for the community. But from just from like really like child, like children, at least in my household, like there's, there's always the TV is always running in the background at some point. Yeah. And yeah. how that trickles down and, and the way we communicate with other people, I, I think it was like really clever how they're doing it mm-hmm. because the way, and in a way we probably communicate the same way as the shows we're watching. And so seeing how that progresses through emotions and being hyper aware that that's, you know, it's a show that's aware that they're influencing and how the emotions are passed through. I think it's just clever. Uh, I want to see how it is. Uh, it's, it's, I like the weirdness, the every once in a while, like it's all about how do you process, like I've, 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 in, in a personal way, like I've used the power of like storytelling to process my own emotions. So imagine then being, I, I always see Wanda as like uh, the mutant from like X Men. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was, I, I imagine being a mutant and having all these powers that just <laughs> alter everything. Like, yeah. if, if, if by being happy or angry, I can alter the presence around my family, imagine changing reality because I'm okay now I'm happy and everything's around me and then I'm sad and everything's gonna be like I loved it I, like raining inside yeah. the house like it's when I was like yeah so good like yeah. it's so good I mean I, I really love using all those old tv because it harkens back to so much nostalgia and then how she uses kind of like specific era television to uh, talk about or experience certain moments in her life like that first mm-hmm. episode I feel is like a little bit I love Lucy and like be newlyweds and the shenanigans of trying to figure things out in the kitchen with vision and you know then the second episode more like the bewitched episode with them like trying to reach out to the community and be a part of the community mm-hmm. that, that they are living with a yeah. person that has been isolated most of her life and then trying to you know make friends with her neighbors and all these things and then this last episode was what's so the Brady Bunch. And then you have an entire pregnancy in one episode, what you know, which, <laughs> which was so, and it doesn't feel rushed in any way, even though the episodes are like really short, it feels like, you know, they're, yes. they're keeping everything that you need in the episode there. And, and I love how they have like a separate intro for each of them. And then the commercials in between with all the symbolism and, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. And, and you know hydra obviously in each of the and the commercials so i think it's been very cleverly done aside from obviously all the emotional aspects but i think two of you here have already touched on the emotions a lot so (laughs) oh it's also like a framing device for like their uh their innocence and their inner turmoil right in a way Mm -hmm, because each uh, sitcom era (laughs) carries the baggage of that time with it in a way Mm -hmm. like where the i love lucy era is very naive and innocent you're progressing into like 
the 70s and 80s, which are have their own cultural complexities. And I think it also manifests, that is manifested in Wanda and Vision as well. So like as, as the era progresses, their awareness and, and, and cognition, right, of those problems are also uh, brought into focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Which I don't know if it's intentional. I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I think it is. Um, so in the first episode, you see the calendar. And it, like, mm -hmm. if you haven't been watching my deep dives, th that's perfectly okay. I'll sum it. But there's a calendar and everyone was like mm -hmm. super focused on the date. And I just like zoomed in on the image because it's this little girl sitting on a couch looking at a television. Um, mm -hmm. And there's butterflies on the wall, which I just like died. Um, but in, in the text underneath it, and if you zoom in, you can see all this little girl wants is a color television. All this little girl wants is a color vision. And so this is, is, is Wanda yeah. rebuilding vision from what she last saw him, which was day dead and black and white. Uh. Yeah, and bringing him back into color and yeah. the newspaper that uh, Phil uh, was reading in the third episode actually says now you can get a television in color on the back it's it's very right. it's very subtle like they're just hiding it in plain yeah. sight but this is mm -hmm. what it is right she is rebuilding him from scratch yeah. in her in her mind's eye what yeah. i love is that they're showing us that the things that she creates and have have given life to even accidentally like the stork and the butterflies and vision yeah. himself are created and independent of her they are not controlled by her as much as yeah. she wants them to be controlled by her and stay within the bounds of reality so that also is very promising for billy and tommy who were just inter introduced in this last episode and yeah. um in general it's it's very satisfactory as a woman to see, oh, hey, you know, these are things that she desires and she has the power to bring them about. My only fear is that they're going to take everything away from her, a la Wonder Woman 84 uh, uh, and Tross, yeah. right? Because <laughs> that's kind of the idea is like, oh, there has to be a cost. And yeah, that is kind of been played out a little bit in the background in some of the symbolism and stuff like that. There's going to be a cost to all this. But personally, I think that it's Billy and Tommy that are going to be cast off into who knows where at the end of this. Mm -hmm. And th that will be part of what she's trying to find with uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> that's me which at be, this point. Which will be directed by Sam Raimi. So that'll be. Yeah, fun. that's be just where, where I'm at right there, right now mentally. But <laughs> I mean, who yeah. knows where they're going to go officially. I, I just wish that they don't go go Marvel on the show and just have, you know, some generic CGI battle like at the last couple of episodes like they do with I, most I films. I, just, like Black Panther, you know, was so creative and has such a good story. And then all of a sudden, like third act. Battle. Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that we can avoid it, unfortunately. When you look at it, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't I don't mean to say it that way, but like. I know, but. When you look yeah. at the budget and you say, okay, so yes, the costuming, the sets, everything like that is amazing. It's $250 million-ish that they've spent on this show. That is insane for a movie. How, that's how much they are spending. Like, it doesn't cost that much to do a black and white 
kind of poster board type show, yeah. mm-hmm. which is what we had for the basically the first two episodes, even mm-hmm. with all of the sets and all of the things that mm-hmm. they've built. So where is all that money? It's probably in the last three episodes for CGI. <laughs> but I, I hope it's well, like we'll see if like it's set up. Yeah, CGI of like I want it to be weird and yeah, psychological like, yeah. type like, like, like a of stuff. Like, yeah all the way like it's not going to be a massive battlefield i don't think that that's just not appropriate for the show but there might be some like uh like if you think about like far from home like that battle was deeply psychological even though he was kind of like in in like mysterio's like illusiony world like that to me that but like amped up to 11 yeah let's do that like yeah yeah. like fighting our own demons oh yeah let's do that yeah yeah. yeah. And I mean, so far the show seems to be very well aware of itself and what it's trying to do. So I think yeah. that hopefully will continue toward, you know, all the way to the end to continue being this way, because so far it's just, I think we needed this breath of fresh air really with yes. the show. Yeah. Like, I think, I think everyone's just tired of like the traditional comic book hero where it's like, yeah, that the traditional structure, everyone's kind of ready to change pace and look into like the only the thing that psychological defeat- aspects. The only thing that can defeat Wanda is herself. So yeah, that's like, that's, that's what's going on right now. And um, in the comics, she ends up being knocked out like all the time in that very, because she could just like change everything that she needs (laughs) to change. Right. So, so um, the, the, her biggest enemy is herself and that's what we're working through right now. And thankfully, thankfully we still have a lot to look forward to with WandaVision. So we'll definitely have more interesting in-depth discussions right as the season progresses but now with that why don't we move into the mandalorian which is a show that has kept off its second season and all three of us are still still reeling over that ending and what yeah. season two means to us so we would love to have welcome mc into our discussion of the mandalorian which we were always meaning to have like a final episode where we discussed it we were having like our individual episodes where we were reacting to each episode as it aired but now we with the with hindsight uh, with us we can you know see it as a whole instead of the pieces and kind of react to it so like i I wanted everyone to take a little couple minutes to give their initial like their not initial we already had initial but their (laughs) final impressions on season two kind of see where everybody is kind of has season two been favorable or unfavorable to you as time has gone by (laughs) I still have mixed feelings about season two because I love season one so much and mm. season two kind of departed a little bit from that. Um, they were exciting to watch, obviously, all those reveals of the characters, but it, it definitely took away something from Mando. I, um, I think it might have been necessary storytelling after we found out that they're expanding so much and then, you know, mm. to try and tie in all those stories together. So I think maybe that's what um, they were thinking when they decided to do it this way. But I still think it like took a little bit away from Mando's journey. Mm-hmm. So I'm still kind of digesting it. I kind of want to watch both of them back to back again, like in a row and kind of compare again. But that's still where I am. I'm still a little mixed feelings about it. What about you, Mo? I don't know. In hindsight, it does feel like really propagandish. Like, oh, we're. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not, I'm not calling it. Yeah, no. It, yeah. Like, it's true. You know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're pushing this whole Star Wars expanded universe. I get it. You know, it's 
you're yeah, investing yeah. billions of dollars on an industry, you're going to milk it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. I, I felt cheated in that way. There were a lot of good yeah. elements floating around. But as watching it, I just felt like, really, like, I was, I'm still paying Disney Plus. I'm still going to watch whatever you put out here. That's Star Wars. You don't <laughs> yeah, have it's to like, it. <laughs> but, but don't take I, away my Mando time. <laughs> don't, yeah. don't take away from like the important things or, or because they were there. It's just like maybe the focus got lost a little bit or modeled. So that's how I see it now. Which is, which is interesting that, uh, that both of you are phrasing it in the ways that you have because it was interesting because after season two ended, Hey, I came, obviously I'm here in Puerto Rico visiting my parents for an extended period of time. So my dad hadn't seen Mando. So I decided to see the whole show again with him. So rewatch season one. And while I was watching season one, it was interesting because some of the things I was complaining about season two, which is like the focus on the characters that were introduced, like, you know, Boba or Bo-Katan or Ahsoka, that type of trope was still in season one. There were new characters that were introduced in the adventure of the week type of thing but because we don't know we didn't know those characters personally from other media it wasn't distracting so I was thinking that I was giving season two too much of a hard shake you know I was criticizing it a little too harshly because of the baggage that those characters carry with it but uh, that aside the ending of the show was kind of the thing that I doesn't still sit well for me just because it doesn't feel earned and we'll get to what that ending is in a minute. But I wanna know your thoughts about it, MC, because when we were emailing back and forth about today, I had mentioned something about season two not following up as well, some of the mythic tropes with Mando as season one. And I think it was interesting that I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had mentioned that it actually does do that. It does, as, uh, yeah. Really as season one. Makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> for it Tell us. all right so okay uh general feelings first yeah. um I, I absolutely feel like they ended up building advertisements and yeah. the thing that feels false about uh, mandalorian season two just because i know so much is that people will follow where good story leads mm-hmm. right so they could have done i feel like boba fett particularly and we can get into that in a little bit but he was more successful as an introduction same with Mm Bo-Katan than Ahsoka and Luke okay Mm -hmm. that's fine so so uh, yeah they they really botched the introduction of a new storyline kick off a pilot in a show introduction I don't Mm -hmm. think that Dave or uh John have ever done that before personally in anything that they have done except for maybe john who introduced black widow in iron man 2 i I don't know it just feels like it just felt it felt cheapening yeah and it's interesting that's the force wielders that are the ones that were yeah yeah incorrect so and and yeah the force wielders in star wars always pull the draw of the camera right but it would have been interesting if you chose different people because then they wouldn't have pulled away from the lens of the mandalorian because mm-hmm. this is all supposed to be dinger Din Djarin's journey right mm-hmm. so that's it's him that's the story yeah right mm-hmm. isn't it exactly. every time that we thought that this story was about din in certain key episodes so specifically when they returned to navarro the mm-hmm. ahsoka episode 
on the one planet and uh, the Luke episode, we pull the focus away from him and like the lens, the camera even just completely goes, whoa. And, and like, we get this huge focus on Gina Carano in that Navarro episode. And we get this huge focus on an Ahsoka and we get this huge focus on Luke. Um, we don't get that as much with Boba Fett, which is fascinating. He's more like yeah. integrated fully into the show. Same with Bo. He, they're part of the journey. They are mm-hmm. successful mentors in the journey, but they're not like, the, you can feel the camera just going like, whoa, to those people. It's because they were mm-hmm. trying to kick off those shows, yeah. right? Yep. We haven't yep. officially heard that Gina's part of the the other one because I think they eh, kicked her, like, I hope. That's a possibility, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. But I mean, you can see, you can they, see they the to. focus. You <laughs> yeah. can see when the it focus. was shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because it's like ah, we're trying to get this character established and built, and it's like that is so cheap. It's such a cheap move. It is. It is. It. It's just not my favorite approach for how these things happen. Right. It, yeah. If you build a character well enough, people will follow that character. Yeah. Right. They will love that character. We didn't know Din in the first season. He appears. Yeah. He was successful enough. And people were like, I will watch a season two. Damn it. Yep. Um, yep. Okay. My bar for Star Wars is pretty low. Hey, it was Star Wars. I, I, as a, <laughs> I, as a fan of Luke Skywalker, love seeing that's my Luke. Oh my God. Because Return of the Jedi was my Star Wars. That was my first Star Wars movie I saw. I was obsessed with it when I was a little kid. That's my Luke. But was it my Luke? It was weird. It felt weird. It felt off because I didn't see him as the peacemaker that I had mm-hmm. grown to love. And I didn't see him as the caring, compassionate Luke that I had, you know, a kind of goofy Luke. Like he's kind of an idiot, even though he's he is this mm-hmm. cool Jedi yeah. master, right? By the end of Return of the Jedi. Um I just like so so yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot there. That's a lot of baggage to unpack for me psychologically. Interestingly enough, I have two really good cousins who are are both women. Uh, one is married, has three kids. Uh, you know, another is just a single lady who's a teacher, and uh, they're both big Star Wars fans. But like, you know, general audience Star Wars fans. Yeah. Uh, she was named after Leia, like her brother oh, was wow. named after Luke, like their families, <laughs> like, you know, so like, like, like these are, these are things that are part of them. Yeah. They both mm-hmm. cried their asses off at seeing Luke and loved mm-hmm. it. So yeah. I can't assume that all of this was for me. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. Similarly, like how Star Wars is meant to be for kids. Like, so, that's why I never get upset if it, it feels too childish ever. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, this is for the kids, you know. But I do get a little weird when it doesn't consider the new audience that is coming in to the story mm-hmm. and having to be like, ah, yes, that's that person. Insert reference here. Mm-hmm. Right? And trying to explain that to people who maybe aren't as familiar with the property, that's a bigger problem that Star Wars itself has to look at because yeah. the universe yeah. itself is a is a steep staircase to yeah. go into if you need everybody to understand everything that is involved. I don't think that you needed to understand anything about Ahsoka. And uh, that's great. 
but it did shift the camera right mm -hmm. and i think that they could have done that more successfully without shifting the camera which i um, think they did right when they were doing cop Bath and boba fett yeah they, they did awesome and, and both too characters, and both yeah but no but yeah. it wasn't distracting it wasn't it wasn't distracting and but mm -hmm. the interesting thing is like the stats on um people checking out the clone wars and checking out rebels uh, after the ahsoka episode like they tons of people went and checked out that stuff so maybe that was part of the point was to to get people more invested into the character mm -hmm. that is incredibly popular even though it has never she's never appeared in um you know live action before yeah she was popular before but now it's like even more people are going to be aware of her and uh knowledgeable and things like that so maybe that was part of the point and they they were like we'll just make the sacrifice this season to to push push the brand push the pr and like introduce yeah. the character and you know like get people to really focus so they they specifically took the lens of the camera and gave it to these characters mm -hmm. so that they could really push that but it'll end up being weird when gina is not actually the focus of anything and they have to introduce a whole new whole new whatever yeah, hopefully uh, <laughs> like awesome like be completely different experience and that's like, i i would love it yeah yeah <laughs> sorry gina hashtag consequences uh, just hire but, hire Appa yeah. from Kim's Convenience, yeah. Yeah. G give uh give old fat men rep. <laughs> oh, he'll 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 be on that show. I I hope so. I, I, I hope so. Ran it. He did. He but deserves I, you know, it. But from a, a mythic thinking, perspective, oh, oh, sorry. Did you yeah. want me to finish out yeah. that bit? Okay, so yeah. it still follows the hero's journey. That's <laughs> hilarious. Like and that's like, what so, makes you mad. It was, it was, it's like, it makes me mad because it's like, if it was completely unsuccessful in the things that I use to analyze media, it's like, then I could actually be mad about it, but I can't because it still follows like John, John knows his mythic template mm -hmm. and it still does all the things like he gets a freaking like blessed metal spear and he's carrying the spear and the ball and he yeah. rises out, out of the ashes and like all of the symbolism is there and then he ends up defeating yeah. the dark version of his shadow in the dark trooper and then mm -hmm. also ends up defeating Gideon in a non-killing way oh my god and then we have the dark temptation at that moment but then all of the emotional weight of everything that Din has gone through in that episode is sucked out of the room by the rescue of Luke. Luke yeah. ex machina, basically. Luke ex machina, yes. It was yeah. very deus ex Like, how did you know that they were there? Oh, the force. That's not how the force works. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> in a way, I was thinking like, well, well you were mentioning all these And there was going to be a separation. It reminded me of Game of Thrones in a way. Yeah, like, 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 especially last season, you know, films. So it's like, well, we have to get here, and these are the things we have to hit, and we just have to, we just have to get there. It doesn't matter yeah. how we develop towards it, but we have to hit it, and that's in a way why I think Luke I didn't think land for me. There was a few it things wasn't they, earned. Yeah, there was a few things I feel like they could have easily done given the pieces in place. One of the things I called out, um, I said, uh, if. Boba Fett had been in the room, had actually landed on the ship after he had done his whole thing instead of leaving. Cause like, why the hell did he leave? Oh, it's mm. because they didn't want to have that Luke and Boba Fett interaction. That's the only reason he left because they were like, ah, this is complicated. Oh. <laughs> you know, like you can tell in the writer, like in the writing, they were like, we don't want to do this. But if they had actually done that, if they had actually had Boba Fett in the room, he would have known who Luke is. And he could have said, 
oh yeah, that's the Jedi master that I know about. Holy hell. It's like- He threw me into the sand once. You, you, <laughs> seem, you seem cooler now. Uh, I can tell. And he's like, yeah, I don't mind if you take the kid. Cool. That would have solved everything. Cause then it would have been like, hey, we had we have whole emotional resolution for Din. Like, didn't like even though he's like, I trust Grogu, okay, you test the trust the toddler. Cool. Uh no parent trust Dad, I'm just only gonna eat this entire thing of cookies. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah like yeah. no, no, you don't trust the toddler. Like he's coded as a toddler, like but that would have resolved a lot of the issues mm. as well as said, oh, yes, this is good that this Jedi Master has come because Boba Fett could have vouched for him and didn't trust Boba Fett. Yeah. It just, it would have helped. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we yeah. needed the the destroy the dark things Vader scene, but that was entirely... Uh... Fan service. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I, I like the term Term. fan service Mm -hmm. uh just because uh, you know fan service is only fan service if it doesn't work for you Mm -hmm. uh good point good point right and and like it it, like like is is the scene with luke and and kylo fan service like in some ways it is yes because that's what happened you know (laughs) yeah yeah but it's not it's not fan service right so right you're right you know it's only it's only because it didn't work for me personally yeah. because but i also don't know where luke is at at this moment and that also makes me nervous because mm-hmm. if he's yeah. the, willing to destroy droids who he knows are sentient and he has relationships with that always disturbs me and people are like calling me out for being upset about that and i'm like mm-hmm. he's he's a good person and it's yeah. the world itself is complicated and they've explored droid sentience in other aspects of the story so this is this is a complex thing and no there are no decisions anymore in star wars that are free from complexity unfortunately the more you get into it the more you understand how complex the world is and Mm -hmm. that comes with its own price I mean, because you did all that with IG-11 and then you even yeah. have a statue yeah. in his honor in season two. So you it's know, even you in- make a point, you make a point to season. say that, you know, you can care as much for these droid characters. I mean, C-3PO, R2-D2, all these characters. And then suddenly just because they're droids doesn't mean he's just killing machines, you know? Yeah, so- exactly. And so every decision is complex in Star Wars. And when they choose to not to just be like, oh, this will be a cool moment. It's like, well, what does that mean for the character mm-hmm. in yeah. the Mandalorian universe itself? Just this frame of the story to your point, it, this decision wasn't a good decision. He's not a good person. He's kind of a creepy dude. Ah, Stealing babies. Yeah. 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 Well, and I mean- also, and also choosing to keep him dressed in his return. I mean, this is a nitpick, I will admit, yeah. uh, on my part. But for me, like, deciding to keep him dressed in his Return of the Jedi garb was an odd decision because in Return of the Jedi, he's obviously dressed in black to represent that he could follow the dark side, but then at the end, when the flap the flaps. flaps open, it's white, so it looks in the light side of the force. I felt like he should have been portrayed as different because it's three years after uh, the fact for, uh, from Return of the Jedi, so... Like you said, like what? Who is he right now as a Jedi? And like I wrote, like in the in the outline here, like Luke Skywalker and the invasion of the younglings snatchers. Because here 
shows up, doesn't introduce himself, and just steals a baby. Yeah. Kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I knew the separation was going to happen. I called it like from <laughs> like the first, I'm like, oh yeah, they're going to be separated. That's, that's just how it's going to work. And yeah. because they Which both. I thought was an interesting choice. Uh, yeah. I mean, like they're kind of following that darker middle chapter concept. I personally think Mandalorian is going to be four seasons. I think they're leaning into that structure. Um, it gives them enough time to get other things set up. Right. Mm-hmm. I do think that they're going to go Knights of the Round Table as well, which <laughs> personally, like I just, Fan, Boba Fett, yeah, I just, I just, I think they're going in that direction. Um, also, Arthur started from humble beginnings or assumed humble beginnings, and they found out that he was special. And yeah, it seems like they're going in that direction. Um, I, I knew there was going to be a separation because uh, this is actually something that I learned more heavily from Asian dramas, uh, which is that uh, a big time when you have a, a core relationship to a story, the only way that they can understand what the other person means to them is by having a a, a physical separation in some ways mm-hmm. and so you can almost time it it's like somewhere between two-thirds and three-quarters through an asian drama they will be separated in some significant way and then find themselves back to each other <laughs> it happens in every drama in every, every single drama. one oh, every single one coming back yeah and, and Asian dramas more closely follow the heroine's journey, which is really, really an interesting. But um, what, I, what I would like to see more of is physical emoting from, um, from Din Djarin, because that would help the audience understand how em- emotional these things are. But I mean, Pedro Pascal like acted the hell when his, act the hell out of this when his yes. mask is off. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I cried like a little baby. <laughs> and it's like those those beautiful moments are overshadowed by yeah what, by lightsabers like, yeah mm-hmm. it's like jedi are distracting yeah they are distracting yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are cool like who doesn't want to yeah. be the cool like yeah jedi, yeah not the, yeah. not to say that i wasn't screaming like oh my god this is so awesome when it happened but then it was like oh that didn't yeah and then happen. You yeah. know, you get the the people out there. It's like, does Grogu die in the temple by Ben Solo? It's like, or Kylo Ren. It's like, oh, guys, like, that's the problem. Every decision that you make is super complicated. If it had been some random other Jedi yeah. that exists, like, or Ezra or somebody else, like, anybody else but Luke, nobody would even <laughs> question that. And it would yeah. have just been a separation for separation's sake. Uh, mm-hmm. But because it's Luke, there's complexity involved. Like, oh, yeah. well, where's Grogu? When's Grogu? I personally think that Grogu is going to um, age up mentally because like, I don't know, in, in, it might be new canon, it might be old canon. Uh, Yoda was a master by the time he was a hundred. So okay. like, the Yoda species is a little wacky. Uh, I personally think he's just kind of remembering all of his stuff through his all of his trauma, and so he'll be a mm-hmm. he'll be a fully functional little Jedi because he knows probably way more than Luke <laughs> by the time he comes years, back. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he comes back to um, Din, right? I think that that's going to happen, and he's also the most profitable thing that uh, Star Wars has right now, and yeah. so yeah. keeping him out of the show. Yeah doesn't seem to make any sense him and ben solo and we're only just getting a funko now for ben and it's solo. sold out so anyone listening to this 
I bought two because I was like, I'm going to have one. And then I got a backup. <laughs> I, I need, I need, <laughs> just in case you ever get signed. I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting for the, for the black series. That's, that's, that's my jam. But uh, oh, the Funko looks pretty cool. Oh, uh, black which, series Ben Solo. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. It'll oh, happen. Yeah, we already have, we already have Dark Gray black series. It'll uh, happen ben eventually Solo. once they they good stop boy, being allergic to money. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a good boy sweater, Ben Solo, Black Series. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I went blank. I forgot what I was gonna say. I, I know I had to do it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very distracting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, I forgot about this. So let's, let's let's go to the next thing. Let's gonna talk about. Because we obviously already talked about like Boba Fett and Bo-Katan a little bit. And yeah. like we thought- I think mentors are important and I'm just yeah. in love with Fennec and Boba together. It gives him yes. uh, a softness uh, that mm -hmm. was missing from both the original trilogy, which we have like zero time with him with really yeah. in the scheme mm -hmm. of things. And also the Bounty Hunter comic, which um, shows him to be a complete monster. So- I personally love the ad of Fennec and I hope that she, uh, she has like, hmm, I, I, I really actually hope that they have a really, really solid relationship. I actually really hope it's romantic because it would be really nice to see that sort of representation on screen, older uh, mm -hmm. actors, characters, exploring relationship uh, in that way. <laughs> yeah. And also I hope he worships her feet. <laughs> worships at her feet i hope he's just so whipped you know like like can you imagine him giving her a foot rub while he's sitting on the throne there like that the would throne. be amazing that would be amazing maybe, 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 maybe they'll just business and maybe they'll grow, grow the throne so they can both be on. i mean like you think yeah. about how robert rodriguez does um like the spy kids parents like yeah, yeah. oh yeah like let's get that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me wonder if Boba Fett's gonna show up in Bad Batch, since we know Fennec is gonna be in Bad Batch. I hope they know each other from childhood. Yeah, Could from you teenage years, oh, and then oh my god, like, yeah. and then he finds oh. her like half dead and saves her. <laughs> yeah, all the tropes. We yeah, all we're on the same page here. We're like, yeah, because this is all K drama stuff. Childhood yeah, friends, it is. like they knew each other as oh, yeah. children, and then I'm like, I'm sold. I'm sorry. This is, and I just I like it would be such an interesting story. And I feel like everyone would be behind it because like people yeah. really love Ning Wan. So like, oh yeah, yeah let's just do yeah. it. Let's just go, just go, just drive. Yeah, I was never- I mean, We're set, setting whole... sail on this That's ship. It. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We're, I'm already on that. Um, <laughs> but it was so amazing to see that, that Fennec Chan um, Boba mm -hmm. relationship, even at what we already got, because I wasn't expecting that at all. And then it was just mm -hmm. so well done. And like you said, it doesn't make the camera go this way. It was integrated mm -hmm. into the story. It doesn't overshadow Mando. Mm -hmm. It actually mm -hmm. adds to his story. It does. It has this other exiled Mandalorian as well. Yeah. And, and it was fantastic. And then I had such expectations with that, you know, going into Ahsoka. And then it was just like, mm, wah, wah. well, I did totally all the think Mandalorians are... die, Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. I was well, like, I was going to die because he's going to like somehow, I don't know. Yeah. That, there was, Boba was going a completely different direction. Oh, you thought, you that. thought he was going to sacrifice himself or something? Oh yeah. I thought, oh. I thought it was like Boba redeemed and it's going to be like doing something. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, my mind was in a completely different direction with how they were going to have Boba in the show. Not that I mind where it's going yeah. now because I'm 
good with it. And I love the black skirt and everything. And like, I like upgraded Boba. But yeah. I thought in terms of like his mythic journey in relation to uh, Din, it was going to be wild. Uh, well, so all of the Mandalorian people that he has kind of run into, including Cobb, right? Who's like this yeah. kind of lawman person yeah fake alori yeah exactly i but all of them are din symbolically Mm -hmm. collecting different aspects of himself and then using them as lenses to analyze who he truthfully is and Mm -hmm. get to where he's meant to be right Mm -hmm. and you know that that's what that's what you want out of a story and that's why like Bo and um Mm -hmm. you know the other Mandalorian that's with her, that's played by Sasha. Um, uh, Casca Reeds. Casca. Yeah. 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 I like her and, and then Boba, like, you know, I can take off my helmet. I was a Mandalorian through this yeah. thing. Like, like all of these things are him collecting pieces of himself to put him yes. back together. And it's always reminded me of one of my favorite storytelling um, or sorry, um, mythologies, which is Osiris and Isis. Mm-hmm where Isis collects pieces of Osiris to put him back together um, and then remembers, re-remembers who he is by collecting those things back together. And so this is all psychological in him sorting out who he is based on all of these different aspects of himself. And, you know, I, I do think that it missed out this season on having flashbacks to his childhood and understanding yeah. who he was in the past. And maybe it was because like that, that, that child actor is now really larger and they couldn't use him <laughs> again, or like very practical reasons why they couldn't, you know, continue Hopefully. to do flashbacks, but they really should have thought through yeah. if you introduce them, you kind of got to continue to do that storytelling thread yeah. instead of just dropping it and refocusing the camera on somebody else. Yeah, this is all just like critique. It is doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the season, which I did. It's just there's now these things in the way that I feel like disrupt my enjoyment of the season. Um, Because, yeah, I can do the legwork to get myself to where I enjoyed the season because of how I view media and what is important to me. But many people don't give it the time to do that. They just mm-hmm. react with a gut reaction and maybe they're going to be into it and maybe they won't be. Maybe they'll be put off by it. And I think that a lot of people were able to see through the falseness of the advertising for the mm-hmm. other shows yeah. that are out there, especially if they had been plugged into the sequel trilogy and understood the brilliance of Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Which is like, <laughs> was, was The Last Jedi just an exception? Or, or is it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Mandalorian season after Mandalorian season one, I would have said no, uh, because we got yeah. Mandalorian season one. I I think that things, I think that um, oh, I I'm very <laughs> excited for Taika and Leslie, and because they are very different storytellers. Have you seen Russian Doll? I've, yes. so I've seen the first it's two. amazing it's so good to... there's supposed okay. to be a season two yeah I don't even know where they're gonna go with it but I trust I have her. no idea I thought it was like concluded like this yeah. is it but I trust her implicitly because yeah a Russian doll is Star Wars 
in the most weird, <laughs> wacky way. And the fact that she's potentially dealing with the force, but on the darker side of things makes mm-hmm. me so happy. Which is the acolyte, basically. That's what you're describing in, in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Run, right? yeah. But I mean, no, I mean, like, Rishendal is not that. It, it is just like how, right. like, it's like, it's like uh, the main character's world between worlds. It, and and that's that's why I couldn't finish it out. I, I felt like it was too like when when I saw it, I was like, wait, this describing way too much of what I'm going through inside that I had yeah. to, like yeah. because that's how it like, it, it I it's, it, it's it, very intense. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so good though. Um. So I don't know. I I think the fact that. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy hired Ryan Johnson purposefully um, is positive. I just think that there are corporate forces at play mm-hmm. that we can't uh, always anticipate what mood those corporate <laughs> forces and where they're getting their pulse of the market is, right? So um, we wouldn't have gotten the trust we got if it wasn't for the existence of Reddit and YouTube. Yeah. Which I find, which I find that that's kind of fascinating that there was such. I mean, despite them saying that it wasn't a course correction, it it was totally them apologizing in some way or another for Last Jedi. But it's so weird because if you look at like the metrics of how well Last Jedi was received by like regular, uh, you know, audiences, not just like the hardcore fandom in Reddit and Twitter and whatnot, like Last Jedi was as well received as any other Star Wars movie. So the fact that Lucasfilm slash Disney is listening so much to this very loud contingent of fans, it's very interesting not to say that I think that they shouldn't listen because I think there's very valuable discussions to have with fandom, but which ones to address in terms of storytelling are the ones that I'm suspicious of that they are doing at this moment. Yeah. yeah any thoughts? Um. <laughs> I I personally think that it's a better marketing move to grow young fans mm-hmm. and fans that take young fans to theme parks. If they're not putting their money and investment into growing women as fans, yeah. then mm-hmm. they are missing the point. Um, okay. Ashley Eckstein <clears throat> talked about in an interview that women spend 80% of the money in households. They're the ones who are planning vacations. They're the ones who are buying things. They're the ones that are buying the Star Wars t-shirts for their kids. And those kids turn into little adults that will love Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And so Ray and Kylo were incredibly popular amongst kids. Kylo especially is incredibly popular amongst little boys and little girls. Um, I just think that it was a misunderstanding of, yeah, sure. Men spend a lot of money on toys right now, but a misunderstanding Mm -hmm. of where their money is going to be coming from in the future, in five years from now, in 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And they should have grown those people now. They had an opportunity to, um, Rebels fans Mm -hmm. four years ago were little kids and now they're adults, right? 
uh clone wars fans now adults mm-hmm. right well, same with the prequels right the prequels but then they are... gave up on them with tross right mm-hmm. they gave up on these this new generation of fans and kind of took it back that's what we're gonna get from mandalorian but it's actually hitting a crowd that's a little bit long- younger personally i think um it's hitting families certainly yes. but the kids that are super into it are eight uh between between seven and ten and so totally that, that. Yeah. what i can totally see that yeah as as a mom of a of a nine-year-old i know how how exactly it's hitting um and yeah people love baby yoda i mean Gregory, yeah right they love yeah. him my little nephew uh, he has a little baby yoda and like little plush baby Yoda and he does not let it go. He's like tucks it in at night when he's going to sleep. He walks around with it everywhere. Mm-hmm. He doesn't let anyone touch it. It's like pretty, pretty intense. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a way to get men to understand that they can be masculine and also nurturers, which is, yeah. I, I think, brilliant. Um, yeah. But personally, I think that those fans will be adults in 10 years from now. Um, so that's when they will fully have access to capital to spend on stuff. Uh, from a business perspective, they missed out on the last five years or the next five years as a mm-hmm. new growth fan, because I don't think that the current Tross ending will, and they're not even producing any Tross merch, right? So if they had produced more stuff, maybe we would see what, but I think they saw right away it wasn't going to turn over into production um values because the story didn't resonate with people as much as like people are people did not go see it 10 times in the theater maybe they saw it once maybe they saw it twice but there are like there's people that i know that saw tlj 10 times in the theater like so like to me it's just not a smart money making decision um but they also probably weren't given the option i often wonder like how aware and disney is of when things need to be released like i think that maybe kathleen Mm. kennedy went back in the summer and said we need more time and they were already aware that there was a pandemic starting in china Mm. and they said it needed to come out in december that is interesting possible i mean like people think that COVID was already in certain places in the world by yeah. December. So it's like, yeah. if they pushed that any longer, Tross yeah. would have Theater's never been closed. released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tross wouldn't have been released if they had delayed it by six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been where we're at with like Black Widow and like No Time to yeah. Die and all Just of these other movies that are, yeah, it would have been pushed back in- indefinitely. So it's like, it's almost like they knew and they released it knowing what they knew. Mm-hmm. And I hate to be that. Like, I, I'm not a, a conspiracy <laughs> theorist person, but yeah. at least they got it out the door and now we can move on. And maybe they're just trying to reevaluate what they're going to do. But in so many ways, it broke the mythology. And so unless they revisit yeah. and figure out a way to fix it, it's going to be broken. Because now, and this is part of my problem with the storytelling in general, no matter what they do in the past until they go past that point all of the end points in the story end in dust on Tatooine it's a little depressing it is things with the rise of Skywalker is like I I don't know what the point was (laughs) 
like what what happened what like where the the characters didn't go anywhere they just Ben Solo ceased to exist Ray was in the same spot she was when she started a uh, a Force Awakens and, and and nothing like people were criticizing Last Jedi but Last Jedi was pushing forward everyone's narrative to like explore who they are as characters but Rise of Skywalker I mean I can see how people that really liked it the positives and how they view the journeys but ultimately it ends in in a nothing like, mm-hmm. like the first order doesn't matter because now Palpatine's back but but not but nope because maybe he could come again. back again who knows right <laughs> exactly so it's like so but I feel it in a way it kind of feels to me especially with what you were saying of like Star Wars just releasing it and being Lucasfilm releasing it and being done with it that Lucasfilm kind of didn't know what to do with Skywalkers so they made these movies and now okay fine we're done now let's just do the stories we want to do which is kind of like what I like about uh, Mandalorian until Luke showed up in season two but especially now with the High Republic too but it's like just freedom of storytelling feels refreshing and it feels like that's what Lucasfilm wants to do just kind of break away from the baggage that Skywalkers have yeah exactly and I mean, that's what they're doing with the High Republic. Uh, but then they kind of doubled down on the Skywalker with <laughs> Mandalorian season two. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, and and this is this is part of the, I, I think, like thing that I'm sort of starting to understand is like the corporateness of story. And nowadays, like, you know, pure folklore is on a, uh, un- it's 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 not held back by corporate entities that either have to make money or what they assume is correct based on their own personal lens but people making decisions aren't just pure robots they're making things from their own particular uh, worldview of how they were brought up right um and so like Star Wars is a purposeful mythopoeia and almost like a really interesting mm-hmm. lens into how Lucas, George Lucas, views the world. Mm-hmm. But then it was bought by a corporate entity and and now it has to deal with like, what are we trying to tell? And I, I had a lot of hope for the Disney era based on everything like mm-hmm. Rebels and, you yeah. know, everything like that. And I still do. Um, it's just now I, now I temper all of that with the lens of, mm-hmm. oh, but yes, still they're trying to sell lunch boxes and mm-hmm. trips to Galaxy's Edge, and they know Jedi are very popular, um, and it is something that people can um, keep people love and can grasp onto. Yeah. Um, but I think that they have to be understand and be careful with that because Jedi are not good in the saga. The exception yeah. is Luke. He is the mm. exception to everything. Oh, right? until he kidnaps. Except he, until he ki- and now fun. he's yeah. and now with that <laughs> complexity, <laughs> like he, you know, he also makes mistakes. So, mm. you know, he he tries to kill his nephew. Like, like yeah, everything is complex in Star Wars. You know, so you can't just rebrand a Jedi and slap it on a lunchbox and be like, ah, oh, this is not complicated. Because as soon as people start to dig into it, it's like the world is messy. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, it feels, it feels muddy. That's what it feels like mm-hmm. to me. 
which was one of the things, speaking of like the Jedi and the complexity of them, right? One of the things I appreciate about Last Jedi with the whole it's time for the Jedi to end. And when I remember when the trailer for Rise of Skywalker came out and it revealed that the title was Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, oh, so Jedi, that's goodbye, adios. We're going to have the Skywalkers now. It's going to be like a new no, no. order. I thought that's what they were doing blah, blah, blah. too. Yep. And then we and were then, all very, <laughs> we were all no. lied to a little bit. Because <laughs> that's what they had set up, at least to me. Like when I was reading like yeah. uh, some of the Thrawn books, and they said, mm-hmm. "Oh, the the Skywalkers in the unknown regions, and like all these other Force users and all that stuff, and the Bendu, and all these things about balance." And I was like, "Oh, so they're doing it. They're pulling the trigger. It's gonna happen." And then it's like, "No, no. this this is." this is it it's all blue and palpy and <laughs> blue and palpy <laughs> yeah. um i think that like there's this desire in modern hollywood storytelling to surprise mm-hmm. you know um or to to twist or to subvert, subvert. <laughs> um yeah and like like that's just like leaning away from what how george lucas functioned right he's like no it's a family drama we talk about the things that are important to the human with this hyper-focused lens using superpowers like 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 this this is what we tell and we use these archetypes and these tropes and these uh and these genre parallels like especially in how he did storytelling that plugged into western and um Mm -hmm. you know war stories and um you know samurai stories and like all of this stuff like it it's it's a big hodgepodge of stuff but to all get at the emotional center which is about the person at the center experiencing and changing and understanding who they truly are through all of the lenses by Mm. which they view the world and um (laughs) you know it's not a subversion if it ends up exactly where it started (laughs) I mean, they took that too. I little, guess it's right? a subversion because we were like, "Hey, maybe they'll grow." Oh, hey, they oh, didn't. Oh no, they didn't. They didn't do anything. I guess. Yeah. And everything is still terrible. And uh, I mean, I'm sure that they're gonna have to say like, "Oh, they destroyed the first order," and like everything's fine after. But it'll be. It will be interesting to see what happens in a post-Tross like storytelling world. I don't yeah. know how they're gonna do that. I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> I just want them to go back to like ancient Jedi versus Mandalorian war or the start of the Jedi yeah. where the Jedi and the Sith split. And I just want them to tell highly dramatic, hyper um emotional stories so that I can just forget about where it ends in dust for a while. Yes. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Even the High Republic, which I'm enjoying so far, it's still too early for me when they said it was 200, 300 years. I'm like, Yoda's still alive. No, go further back. Yeah, Yeah, it's 400 (laughs) years. Like where they're starting, the High Republic is 400 years before... before the uh before the prequels uh and then they have some storytelling at the end of the high republic that's about 100 years before mm-hmm. there's a manga that has come out and acolyte itself i think is set 200 years before but i mean yeah yoda's still alive he's still yoda yeah. um they still have the rules about not dating and stuff and like <laughs> you know it's like it's like yeah okay and yeah the jedi are cool i do think that it is um 
if we want to talk about like how I feel, I guess, about <laughs> High Republic, Please, yeah. uh, like I've read the first three books um, and the first no, comic. I'm still working on I'm still working on my <laughs> yeah I got them in December so like, okay, okay yeah when you big when you get big enough sometimes people send you stuff which is super yeah, nice yeah. um and then I did Convenient. some episodes and stuff um and but, I heard your interview with Charles Soule yeah I, I recorded that back in May so okay. that was interesting <laughs> yeah I just couldn't release it until now mm. yeah um so it is like a breath of fresh air because the name Skywalker mm. does not appear in these texts it feels different it certainly does it it's nice it's nice to be in a world where you're like i don't even have to think about palpatine i don't have to think about skywalkers i don't have to think about anything to do with what came before i can kind of take this on and be fresh um the only kind of things that make me a little hesitant is the wild west which is where sort of how the outer rim has always been kind of classified right it's the wild mm. west fundamentally the wild west was also colonialistic like mm. you know because it's like yeah. ah we're gonna go bring civilization to this untamed area yeah. we're gonna bring the light of the mm. republic and the jedi to the outer rim mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me feel when you when you phrase it that way it's like oh i see <laughs> like like i can't help reading it that way because <laughs> even though they say oh yeah the jedi are wanted it's like are they are they always wanted does everybody want the jedi the republic to come in and tell them how to live their lives and what to do away the little kids and <laughs> i mean if they find a force using they take away the little kid like i don't know but they're like no 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 it's not colonialistic don't don't think about that i'm like is it though yeah just because i mean go ahead just in the same way that they don't raise kids in a cult you know that doesn't happen either right 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 right. (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like i i just uh i struggle i struggle with like misunderstanding like just sociology (laughs) Like, like you can't go out to the outer rim, create something called the beacon, which brings the light of the Jedi to the outer rim and assume mm-hmm. like, like where are all the other force adapts and force yeah. users that think about the force differently than the Jedi? Like that would have been really cool to explore. And also like, yeah. Hey, not everybody needs to be a Jedi. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Which ties back to Mandalorian in a way, because I thought if a Jedi showed up or something, Grogu would decide not to go. I know. That's what I was. I I mean, I think that that that's why he'll come back, but they're really pushing this like narrative that the only way to learn things is through this very dogmatic lens of Star Wars Jedi, which is like their biggest marketable thing. Um, Yeah. Which makes me a little cynical, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the right approach to view how you should view something that's super spiritual. Maybe you should yeah. view it more like a practice. Like, so maybe there's like kind of like practicing martial arts or meditation. Mm-hmm. There's different ways that you can go about yeah. doing that. And I think that they're trying to kind of influence that into the Jedi themselves. But that's like saying everybody has to be a Christian. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. right. And that's the only way to find spirituality in the world. And that's very problematic. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah. At least. Um, so, uh, <laughs> where is my relationship <laughs> with Star Wars at this point? Uh, I still love it. I still yeah. own that piece of Star Wars that um, helps me view myself and the world and all of that. Uh, I still love the things that I can, like, I watched... Um, I watched The Force Awakens with my son in the summer um, because he just really wanted to watch it. And I loved it. You know, I still love mm-hmm. watching. I'm watching through the prequels because I'm covering I'm going to be covering the prequels from a musical perspective over the next couple of months with uh, Frank Lehman, who's uh, the creator of the motific catalog of Star Wars themes. Oh, yeah. uh, he's brilliant. He's a music um professor at uh, Tufts University and Christy Carew. So we're talking through thematic elements that are presented from a meta music perspective in the prequels. So it's like talking mm-hmm. about Anakin from a musical perspective. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a different yeah. way to view really cool. yeah. like that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still get joy out of talking about the high republic stuff because it's very interesting where they're going mm-hmm. um but i do feel a bit of cynicism to do with what has happened in the last two years um yeah. and i think that's normal if you were to be disappointed by what has happened and also you know frustrated with an organization and a company that um consistently through their especially women of color and by poc mm-hmm. characters and people and like contributors to the main story under the bus mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah yeah just for the apparent money well we don't know their motivations it could be just yeah. uh they literally have no concept of who their fan base actually is and are just listening to loud people yeah it's kind of like I, one I, step I forward right. two steps back with them yeah. a lot of the times so it seems like they're starting to go in the right direction and then they do something that like negates what they did before so yeah and that's but, and that's hard like as a fan yeah. and a long time person that like i know i've spoken with many people who have contributed to the universe in a fundamental mm-hmm. way and they're all mm-hmm. like really wonderful people all the people i've spoken with are really wonderful and they mm-hmm. care and they want to do the right thing um i just you know it's hard without maybe um understanding it's hard to be outside as a fan and want them to make like again back to my start of the conversation this is a purposeful mythopoeia you're Mm -hmm. building a mythology Mm -hmm. and you need to understand how people are going to react to that mythology so that you understand what you're doing purposefully I don't like random storytelling I like purposeful storytelling because you need to be aware of you know what this is going to do to people and killing off Ben Solo maybe wasn't the best mythical choice Mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> well but it's, yeah, it's yeah, a lot because uh, for example with like the last Thrawn book with Chaos Rising uh, it's, there's like snippets of hope right sprinkled throughout where like they are doing like really interesting things and, like, oh I love that book so much I'm not a Thrawn fan and, users and whatnot, like having the chist Skywalkers or and now Ezra being in, allegedly in the unknown regions I think it's 
There we go. <laughs> like having having the Chis, the Chis Skywalkers, and then now allegedly having Ezra in the unknown regions of Thrawn. I think it's interesting then to see like where that might go in terms of like what Ezra thinks of being a Jedi while being there, and like maybe encountering these super unknown Force users over there, and kind of then bringing that back somehow into the main core mythos, right? That we're exploring right now. But again, that's all wishful thinking. I don't know if like Lucasfilm will pull any of those triggers of exploring what that means, or if they'll just be like, oh yeah, that's the thing we uh, placed the seed off, but we're not gonna reap it for anything because we're just gonna keep going with Jedi and what Jedi are, period, forever. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know that that gives us uh, much uh, space for alternative storytelling, which, yeah, different, Hopefully different we'll see, stories. See what they do with all the new stuff that's coming. But again, I mean, there's so much new stuff and only what, like the Acolyte is the only thing really that's not in the Skywalker era. Uh, we don't know. Taika's movie is not, like, we don't know yeah, no, what okay. that's going to be. Um, and I think think patty jenkins show or movie is going to yeah. be after tross so okay. that'll be interesting i mean that's it's just an like yeah i i i don't know i didn't really enjoy wonder <laughs> woman 84 so oh, it was I'm terrible. Concerned. No, 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 they wait, so uh, it oh, was but, terrible oh. <laughs> there was a lot of heart into it that's, that's oh yeah yeah like they yeah. wanted they wanted to do Oh, they wanted to do something good and they made weird, weird choices. Um, yeah. One of my, one but, of my friends But not said, WandaVision weird, just the opposite. Yeah, like <laughs> unfortunate choices. Uh, one of my friends said like, it was like the first draft of a script and then they just made a movie yeah. out of it. Yeah. They need, and there was they already They needed Carrie Fisher as a script doctor for that. One. Yeah, exactly. And they, Help and then they, yeah, like nobody said, like, yeah, eh, maybe you don't want to do this entire like Middle Eastern subplot that's super racist and yeah. uh, oh my god, maybe you know, giving women their desires and then saying they must sacrifice everything to be a hero is maybe like, not the yeah. best message. Yeah. That's where writers' rooms are. Decisions. Yeah, I can tell you that uh, Mandalorian didn't have a writers' room and it probably needs one, especially considering they're building this whole, whole larger like uh, you know worlds that's mm -hmm, going to be mm -hmm. like the expanded television universe where they want to interconnect everything and they they absolutely need a writer's room to question ideas um sure. and i i think that uh and also bring alternative voices into the room mm -hmm. and and that's the, yeah. probably the best way to do it is to have more people sitting around a table talking about story and perspective and get the right mm -hmm. people in the room you know yeah agreed yeah. you're here mm -hmm. I, mean, I, th and I think that's a one of the benefits of way. high republic <laughs> is that they had that right they have these the this group of very different voices all coming together and talking about things and um it's leaning into you know a different storytelling like look at the like representation already in the stories that are it's mm -hmm. completely different than what we've seen before and i love that yeah absolutely i think that's a great, great way to kind of cap this discussion because i think we've been yeah. going on 
Sorry. <laughs> I can oh, no, talk. No, no, it's no, us no. too. We are, yeah. yeah we're, yeah. <laughs> we love sorry to talk. We took too much of your time. Oh, and yeah, we wish. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, Go talk about it. Star Wars and WandaVision <laughs> and and how story is important. No, I won't do that forever. I I was actually a little worried because when you sent the outline, I was like, well, I could talk for an hour on each uh, of these. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so it's always it's always tough to like write them just because of that too. Because like wait. Uh, we want to talk about so many things about all of these things that's so kind of like yeah really overwhelming sometimes but then it's like well let's just write it and we'll see if we how it goes things and if we do we <laughs> we do and if we don't uh, we don't so but i think i think today we did i think a good job at it, yeah. hitting yeah. most of everything and having really here's hoping that storytelling improves from now on let's see what they're gonna do and hopefully it's more you know representative as well yeah yeah that's a fantastic point right because we have a bunch of stuff coming down the pipeline so it's always better to have a lot to talk about than just be complaining about the past i think (laughs) i mean it's one of the reasons i'm super psyched about uh the book of boba pet like it's already different Mm -hmm. you know just because the creators and the main two cast members are not what we're used to seeing and, and uh, frankly, that makes me excited. I want different. I want weird. I want them to take chances. And I know that this is still a safe choice, even though there's chances being taken. It yeah. just like, you know, be brave, be brave. Star Wars. It's always my ask. Be weird. Be yes. brave. Weird. Yes. Ours, ours as well, for sure. Uh, so for everybody, uh, MC, where can everyone find you in the social media? Oh my goodness. This is going to take a little... <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, my personal Twitter is Marie C. Gould. Uh, if you want to follow me, I talk about Asian dramas a lot there <laughs> and everything that I'm currently consuming. Um, I'm also on uh, Instagram at Marie C. Gould and I just like post random fi- pictures of stuff uh, for the podcast with the force. You can follow it on wt force show if you're interested <laughs> in everything else under the what the force brand it's wt force media um uh we have a youtube channel for what the force under what the force um and then there's what the fiction which is the kind of sister channel which we're covering everything else but everything can be found on what the force.ca which is the website. Uh, We also publish articles and we're starting to get into regular fiction analysis as well. And I have a great group of editors, Hammy D and Naureen, who uh, all contribute uh, to get uh, sort of different lenses of content uh, out there because I want to talk more about why fiction works. And we will definitely leave all those links in the description below. (laughs) Sorry, we will. We will, though. (laughs) But with that, Nanny, why don't you sign us off? (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, everybody. MC, thanks so much for coming along. That was a lot of fun. Uh, So this is us signing out. We are the Triad of the Force. You can find us at the Triad of the Force on Twitter, YouTube, anywhere podcasts can be found. We don't have as many cool links here as what the Force, but we are trying. <laughs> so like, subscribe, follows, and leave comments, please. So with that, have a good day and may the Force be with you. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>